Welcome. <laughs> I just like saying it. Welcome to the natural underground. Bienvenidos. Is that a word? I don't. It's a phrase if it's anything. Or no, it's a word. Bienvenue. Yeah. That's French, mm-hmm. Brian. Cool. Learn yourself something. Nice. Well, welcome. This, this is, is hostile. A, yeah, this is an <laughs> awful beginning. <laughs> welcome to the Natural Underground, the radio show and podcast dedicated what to what, Jessel? The natural food industry. Oh, how exciting is that? Those Very. voices you hear, Ryan and Jess. Eh? We've Hello. run out of insults. We ran, oh, well, I thought you well, already insulted this Yeah, morning. I'm going to voice a concern, a yes. formal complaint, really. I went to my nearby 7-Eleven to pick up a banana and a few other little little snacks. You're one of those guys that operates in the fruit, the fresh fruit area they of a convenience store. They have really good bananas. Yeah, I know. Health and fitness people tell you that, but it always seems like different. Yeah, different. Okay. I mean, they're always like kind of a weird brand. Carry but, on, carry so on. So I'm like in a good mood, feeling good. It's, you know, a great day. And the woman looks at me and she's checking me out and goes, oh, you look so comfy today. Ooh, I would like to yeah. say I am wearing an outfit that I consider to be very normal. I'm not in pajamas. I wouldn't call it stylish. I've got on shorts, a <laughs> shirt, a and then kind like of... an Oregon duck headband on. Oh, 80s look. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I have my Ryan, hair up maybe, in a ponytail. Maybe she meant it to be current and not really going back. I, I don't know. You have on a hat. They do. And we're lucky or not. Are you wearing basketball shorts? I can't see. Oh, well, yeah. usually does. Are you asking, am I wearing shorts? Yes, this I'm is about pants. me. I'd like this to be more about okay, me let's right now. Well, I always find that 7-Eleven cashiers treat me with a tremendous amount of respect. So. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know what that is. A lot means. of deference. Maybe they're nervous of you. <laughs> they are. Wow. Like this got guy a great reputation like amongst he's them. He's going to steal a tall boy or something. That's a tall right, boy? Yeah, he does look like that. <laughs> a Foster's. Yeah. Oh, Foster's. Australian um, Foster's. So I, can I whine just a minute about business travel? That wasn't enough about me. But All right. Well, you on. can work your way into these future stories. <laughs> she will. <laughs> so Please I want to whine because I just came back from nine days of business tra- travel with what I like to call Easter tucked in the middle there. So oh, I had was, an yeah. Easter mm-hmm. weekend, but there was business travel on both sides. And I was everywhere. Bay Area. The lovely town of Boise, Idaho. I was in Salt Lake, Denver, hmm. Ogden, Utah, everywhere. Ogden, Utah. So two complaints about those folks. And m- many of our listeners probably have Those to folks. Well, Yeah, no, what do you mean, <laughs> those folks? No, no. Al. No, I meant people who business travel. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, okay. Good, Utah good, good, reference. Good. Okay. All right. Chill out, Although Ogden, I do, Utah. I do have an issue with Utah, and I want the people, good people of Utah, the, the three that might be listening, to know that. So here are my two problems with my business trip. Number one, they're both kind of devastating in their own ways. Number one, I managed to leave my laptop at a hotel. Didn't discover it till later that day. I don't know how you do these things. Didn't you leave no, it in a taxi one time? I did. Well, the taxi, that Uber took yeah. off when I was getting my luggage and I, st- I had more luggage. It doesn't matter. Oh. So anyway, I met There's this no hotel. way you've ever been able to hold on to a pair of sunglasses if you keep losing your computer. No, I believe those are disposable by the week because that's how they've worked <laughs> in my life the entire time. <laughs> So follow me. I leave the laptop. I don't discover it in Salt Lake City until I'm in Denver. So I'm like, oh, no. So I I call up the hotel. They were uh, nice enough. And I said to them, hey, uh, I left my laptop. Can you help me? And she said, sure, we'll we'll overnight mail it to you. I'm like, awesome, because they'd already found it. Mm -hmm. And they said, we only use the United States Post Office. To do that, and I said I would like it before August. So can we possibly (laughs) use one of the the known overnight services? Uh And I suggested one. Let's just say Tom Hanks played one for this particular company, Lost on an Island. But later, yes, that's right. We're going nameless, but you know who I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I call them and she said, you're going to have to call them and get them to print the label and bring a box and all that. Awesome. No problem. I said, I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I call them up and this seemed to confuse this service, but mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. So hours go by. I think I've got it all set up. 
hours go by and I call the hotel. It's quarter to seven at night. The guy hasn't showed yet. It's shown up yet to pick it up. Now, you know, there's a cutoff time, right? So I'm panicking. I'm in another city. And she said, well, one thing that was kind of weird, this is the hotel speaking. She said, they've called twice and asked what time you closed. I'm it's like, a hotel. It's a hotel, you Never. fools. So why would there, why, <laughs> how would there, what, at what point does a hotel close? Isn't it the bigger question, when is the cutoff time for the overnight mail? Whatever. Anyway, so I made the whole point that they would bring a box. Guess how I get my uh, computer the next day? Carrier pigeon. No. <laughs> Mailed to me, overnighted in an envelope. Oh, no. Oh, and man. I mean, the minute I saw it, That's it was like... That's so stressful. Oh, I, I before I opened it, I knew what was going to happen. So I opened it up, whole upper left-hand uh, corner of the screen is crushed. Lawsuit. So, two, Lawsuit. who mails something in an envelope, a laptop in an envelope, number one? And number two, why do they think a hotel is going to close? I, I don't understand. When yeah. I was a child, I never understood why my parents were always just sort of like peeved about everything and like everything's hard and nothing gets now done. Now we understand. But now the older I get, it's like I'm dropping my car off for an oil change and I don't know what madness will unfold. It's just That's every right. the most mundane tasks can turn into an all day right. brawl. But those are all on one level. I want to talk this morning, today, not this morning, today about a slightly more uh, devastating experience I had. Oh, no. So I consider myself, if not really, then just wildly good looking. That's just how my own personal <laughs> Sorry, take. I almost spit out my coffee. Yeah, my own my personal take. Did you hear that just... from a 7-Eleven cashier? <laughs> yes, I did. So a couple, thank you. Thank you to our producer, Matt. Um, I consider myself honestly exceptional everyone has delusions and i think yours is unique i'm just saying a few years ago when people magazine does Mm -hmm. the top 50 sexiest men or whatever Mm -hmm. i didn't make that list but i'm pretty sure i was in the honorable mention category (laughs) now there wasn't any communication about this but i could feel that it was in the air that was about to be so anyway where are we going i'm in denver colorado (laughs) i'm in denver colorado and i decide to go into what looked like it'd be entertaining kind of funny a cafeteria so I walk in the cafeteria. Now, why would a cafeteria be entertaining to go a into? A cafeteria of what? Because no like one goes into a cafeteria. What did Justin anymore? and I do to deserve this? Nobody uh, goes into of a, a cafe- what? Like a Luby's type of place, but different. You don't know what a, a Piccadilly is? Luby's? Heard of a cafeteria? Yeah, that's, that Matt, good. have you ever heard of a cafeteria? He's never heard of a cafeteria. Like a. A furs, you've never a Luby's. You've seen a Luby's. Like you go in, you get a tray, you go through. I it. legitimately thought Luby's was like car related until okay. just now. Anyway, so I go through the line, I pay, I get my food, and and right, you pay in advance. I'm eating there, and I look at the receipt, and you know what it says on the receipt: senior discount. <gasps> so oh, I no. take that the is next awesome. Thirty minutes. I can't even eat. I'm waiting. I go back. I leave my food. I go back, and I said. Can I just ask you a question? Oh what assumption are you making here? I wear my hat backwards. That has to take that's Yeah, what's the senior discount? Is it 65? Yeah, I it's think 65. So. I asked him, I said, what is 65? I'm no nowhere offense near to our that. 65 plus listeners. That's right. And look, when I'm ready. Oh, you're closing in, though, man. I like take that discount. TikTok. I don't yeah, know. I, I you nine years away. If you wear yeah. basketball clothes and your hat backwards, you cannot get a senior discount. That you should is, get a jabron discount. Yeah, for a, for a chump, for being a chump. I mean, it's funny because they gave you a discount, but you're offended by the discount. Right. Oh, I mean, I was upset. I couldn't eat. I talked to him for 20 minutes. She wanted to move me. She finally said, well, look, I do it for everybody because it's just, you know, it's cheaper. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, $3 I saved today, but now I'm in for 10 years of 
therapy and I'm going to have to see someone professional. She should about say, hey, I know you're not a senior, but I'm going to give you this discount no, just to I give know. you a boost. So that's why I don't like business travel or any kind of travel anymore. Oh, heavy. I just feel it is heavy. I'm damaged. I'm damaged goods at this point. I've lost all mojo, all confidence. Maybe we should just wrap this thing up. Let's do it. Let's just make it a nine-minute show. It is scary. So what's our product for today? Well, later, we have some wonderful guests on the show today. We're going to be talking to Capellos. They are a gluten-free company, and we're going to be talking specifically about some of their cookies today. Yes. So we're going to eat some uh, healthy cookies in our next segment. You'll want to stay tuned. We're talking to Capellos. It's time for a break. From this point, two promises. The show's going to get better from here on out. <laughs> and number two, we're going to talk a lot about a lot healthier things. And less complaining. Yes. Time for a break. You're listening to The Natural Underground. I can close my eyes and be in Big Ben. I'm sitting next to you. I'm watching the moon catching fire. Welcome back to the Natural Underground. Look, in our first segment, we talked about cookies. Yes. Man, we talked about great cookies, mm-hmm. and they make all kinds of other stuff. So, But we thought cookies would be easiest to bring into a radio show. It's harder to do, pa- to do pasta and pizza and some of those I things. I know, yeah. Yeah. The so, cookies is I like great. those things too, though. Oh, they're all good. And the brand that we've been chatting about today is Capello's. So everybody has a cookie in front of their plate. You're welcome. Yeah, you're, thank you, Jessalyn. <laughs> they are uh, they look delicious. You know, I'm, I must admit, I've been doing these for like probably a year now, eating these cookies. And I do, do a little in my little toaster oven. Oh, and really? I'll just slap down four or five of them at night and spectacular. Ooh. Oh, they're so good. So try these babies and tell me while we're trying them. So go ahead and, 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 and sample on. Imagine okay. that this, I mean, uh, gluten-free. I can remember in mm. the day, because uh, we've been mm. in this industry a long mm. time, I know. Wow. Gluten-free usually meant like, wow, okay, I'm giving up a little something, some sacrifice. I used to joke that back in the day when somebody said it's gluten-free, I didn't know what gluten was at the time, but I, I knew it was pretty tasty. Like, whatever, they were, whatever they were taking it out of uh, th- didn't taste as good as it mm-hmm. did. But, but man, has that changed. It's evolved so much. And they're glu- vegan. Yeah, gluten-free, grain-free, all just unbelievably good. And These one are of delightful. the mm-hmm. pioneers of that is Capello. So joining us, we're lucky uh, enough to have... Joining us on the telephone today, uh, not in the studio, but on the telephone, are Ben and Stacy, and they're founders and run Capellos. Guys, welcome to the Natural Underground. Mm, thank you. Yeah. So, absolutely. So, for the listener unfamiliar with the brand, what is Capellos? It's delicious. That's perfect, and we think so too. Uh, no, every, everything we make is gluten free, grain free, non GMO, um, paleo oriented, low glycemic. And really, the, the biggest differentiator, I think, uh, for Capellos is that everything we do and always will do will always be grain-free. That's the, really the foundational piece of, of our business. And why did you pick that as your foundation? Because it's working for you, whatever you guys did. It's amazing. But to be able to deliver that and taste this great, how did you pick that as your foundation? Well, part of the... Part of the process in choosing grain-free actually came from the products themselves. Um, when we first decided that we wanted to start a company together, we set out to make a gluten-free pasta. And uh, in that process, we started using almond flour, and that really proved to be the the best ingredient to to give us the best-tasting product. And we 
learned that our products were grain-free and then did a deep dive into what that meant and realized that being grain-free really takes that ingredient profile to the next level and, and went full force in that direction. How, now, when you guys said you started playing around with almond flour, what, why? What Were you just in love with that idea, or how did that come to be? Well, funny enough, um, a, uh, a chef was talking about how in, in New York City when he was chefing there that they would get calls for, for gluten-free pastas. And he said the only time he could ever make anything decent, he felt like, was with almond meal. So Stacey and I started talking about that. She went out and bought some almond meal, and that night made the product that we still sell to this day, which is the fettuccine. Wow. Wow. And so you ended up, so you went that route. What, you know, as you've kind of watched it since the day you started this brand till today, how have you seen kind of both gluten-free and grain-free evolve? Because it feels like gluten-free kind of started the concept but now it really has evolved to be a lot more grain-free claims on brands. Is that how you see the category evolving? Well, how I see it evolving is I think for a long time, like you mentioned earlier, gluten-free products had this stigma of not tasting very good. And in the beginning, I feel like gluten-free was really uh, defined by what wasn't in the product. And now I feel like it's moving in the direction um, of being really proud of the ingredients that they're using versus just uh, eliminating ingredients. And I feel like grain-free really um, sets the stage for, for higher integrity ingredients. Yeah, I think this whole kind of concept around clean eating and what does that mean really feeds into this consumer base of folks looking for grain-free products because there's some kind of indicators right there that they're likely to be less overly processed, lower glycemic load, some of these other health benefits that a lot of the gluten-free physician and, and sol- solely gluten-free companies just can't make. And so I, I think there's this larger conversation in the public taking place right now or in the, con- the consumer side of things about clean eating and i feel like grain free just feeds right into that it's funny it's funny you guys say that we did a project where we outlined the evolution of snacking and it showed sort of from the 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s 2000 to today and so much of it early on whether it was a lower diet sort of evolving in the 70s or lower fat or less sugar or um portion control in the early sort of 26 20 20 10 area right around 2012 2014 was the first time that we saw that that it moved from kind of less of something bad and more functional purposeful eating where you're seeking some kind of ingredient that you're looking for that you want to feel good about that ingredient deck and you guys seem like you hit it right at that time you know it's interesting that you say that because part of that evolution that I, i feel like i'm witnessing is instead of industry driving what's available. I feel like now more than ever, uh, people are seeking their own 
uh, information in terms of what's actually healthy for your body, and they're driving the the companies like ours um, to to have that available rather than um, like subsidy crops uh, driving that subsidized crops rather. Absolutely. In terms yeah. of being gluten free and still delivering on taste, do you think the uh, the almond meal that you are using is the secret to having both? rather than having to sacrifice one or the other? It certainly plays a role in it. Um, it it complements the other ingredients in our products really well, and it gives it um, not only a nutritional profile that we're really proud of, but also that flavor and texture that we love. Well, I know you can't divulge all your secrets, but are there any other ingredients that you feel really adds to the taste where, um, you know, whether I know your cookies are also vegan, how do you make them so gooey and flavorful without dairy? Well, for the cookies specifically, we use coconut oil and Vermont organic maple syrup. And that really um, gives them just a a great profile of uh, flavors. Nice. The pasta is also amazing. Uh, Tell me about the ingredient deck. What's special about it? And that's actually kind of what I was speaking to originally was the the almond flour um, is is our main ingredient in the pastas as well as cage-free eggs. So those those two ingredients are are the the staple for that product. How did you end up moving from pasta to pizza? Was it just the next step? Because it's kind of a wide variety. I get that, you know, we kind of follow that it's all follows gluten-free, grain-free, but cookies, pizza, and pasta. How did, yeah, how did that evolution happen? I think it, it, it came out of um, a little bit of that desire to create products that we thought we would want to consume, but there was also a desire to create products that we saw um, being in line with extensions of the brand and where the cookies came into play were a really great opportunity we had with some successful paleo cookbook authors who had really developed that chocolate chip cookie dough recipe and we helped bring that to life. And then when we looked at the brand and said, Hey, you know, we're we're making cookies, we're making pasta, but what seems more in that kind of Italian realm? And I will, we'll say, I don't want to, we're not, you know, positioned as like an Italian brand, but I feel like the pizzas were a good extension of that. And also when we were looking at what's out in the marketplace right now, there just wasn't that, super clean frozen pizza option. And we were eating a lot of against the grain products and we're sitting there thinking, well, we're eating this because it's really the only grain-free pizza on the market right now, but why don't we just make one and make it really good? And just a little bit more uh, on on brand and, or on trend uh, within our brand. And so that's, that's where that evolved from. Yeah, well, you know, whatever it is, it's working, and it's fantastic. Um, in a moment, we'll take a break, and we're going to come back and talk a little bit more on the entrepreneurial side of this, how you guys built it, and what are some of the challenges you've had. The folks in our industry all love to hear about. But for listeners who are already at home, and they're thinking, you know, pizza, they're dreaming about pasta, maybe they're hungry, and, you know, thinking, come on, gluten-free cookies, how good can they be? And trust me, they're exceptional they just perform. And I, I can say this with you know absolute honesty. I prefer Capello's cookies. Maybe I'm addicted to them now more than almost any other chocolate chip cookie I've ever had. 
And I don't know whether it just performs well. It's gooey like you want it. it and they even seem to bake kind of quicker, at least in my little toaster oven. So they're fast and, and it's easy. So wonderful. If if our listeners want to know more, what website should they check out? How do they learn more about your brand? Yeah, they can find us at capellos.com, C-A-P-P-E-L-L-O-S. Dot com and uh, on our website they can all, there's a tab for where to buy they can either buy um, at retailers or uh, through our website itself and so that's two p's two l's in capellos correct all right yep perfect we're going to take a break when we come back more with the founders of capellos we're going to get a little more entrepreneurial looking forward to it you're listening to the natural underground Welcome back to The Natural Underground, a radio show and podcast dedicated to the natural food industry. We've been talking and snacking on some fantastic cookies and talking with Ben and Stacy from Capello's. If you don't know what that is, that's this incredible line of gluten-free and grain-free pasta, cookie dough, and pizza. And it is so good. If you missed the earlier part of the show, number one, shame on you. Uh, you shouldn't do that. And number two, go buy some of this and get your mind blown. It'll redefine what grain-free and what gluten-free means to you, and I think you're going to love it. So this is the part of the show we get a little bit more behind the scenes on brand building, on entrepreneurial stuff, right, and topics. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, Ben and Stacy, where did you guys uh, individually grow up? And, and tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Uh, I grew up outside of Chicago, and I moved to Colorado in 2000 and have been here ever since. Where were you born? Where, where outside of Chicago? I grew up in a little town called St. Charles, west of the city. And yep. then I moved out here to go to college at Western State down in Gunnison. And after two years there, I had a lot of fun, skied a bunch, but it's just a little too small. I moved up to Boulder, transferred to CU Boulder, and that's what landed me in Boulder so that the stars could align and Stacy and I's path could cross. <laughs> <laughs> Business romantic. I like it. Stacy, what's your background? Um, I, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, and lived there for up until my mid-20s. Uh, I was a hairstylist for almost six years, which was a really fabulous career in a lot of ways, um, but also felt like there might be more out there in the world for me. So I, uh, I moved out of the country to Argentina, uh, learned Spanish, wow. and worked on an organic farm down there for... For some time um, before moving back to Colorado and reconnecting with Ben, um, snowboarding up in the mountains, and decided to start this company. Stacy used to cut my hair just to better understand what that. What a meet Really? I was gonna, there. <laughs> Stacey, I was going to ask if at, at any point, if you're in Austin, if you could please take a look at Ryan's hair. We're not sure what's happening <laughs> wow. there. We just need some sort of, I call it intervention at this point, uh, that needs to happen. He wants it to do something it's not capable of doing, and we oh, need to break it to him. I, 
That was years ago. I'm really good at that. I'm, he wants I'm it to at... kind of flop over, but it's too thick and it won't it does, flop. I do not want it to flop over. Wow. Yes, you do. I'm being misrepresented and they're taking advantage of the fact this is a radio show. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's on fun. air. It is. So as kids, what did you guys dream of being? I'm guessing uh, king and queen of grain-free products was not it. What, what, do you, what was your big dream? Noodle makers. <laughs> what was the big dream? Mine, mine's pretty cliche. Uh, I definitely wanted to be a vet and potentially a marine biologist. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. So as you can see, I've lived out all of my dreams. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're doing none of that. Uh, exactly right. Okay. And come no, on, Ben. I do have a partner who went to college for marine biology, so it kind of worked out. Oh, well, very good. Cool. Very good. Uh, ben, what did you want to be? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I wanted to be a little bit of everything. And I always, well, I was always really interested, truly, in, in business. And my whole life I was told I should be a lawyer. So I don't know how I ended up being a noodle maker, but. So I've heard that before too. I take it as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yeah. I, okay. I think it is. <laughs> um, so that's what you were doing. And then how did you guys meet? How did I understand you both kind of were had similar mindsets, but how did you actually start the brand and why the name Capello's? Cynically, we like to say that we decided to start the brand because we were ignorant and had no idea what we were getting into. Um, <laughs> but as, as we've had the brand, we've absolutely like, we've loved it all, all along. Uh, it's gotten, it's had its challenges, but it's, it's all good now. Um, but we decided to start the brand sitting on the floor at my apartment in Vail. And, uh, the name came from the inside of my arm because it's uh, my mother's maiden name and it's tattooed on the inside of my arm and Ben pointed at it and was like that should be the name of your company of our company because uh, he, he thought it sounded a lot better than Benjaminos <laughs> yeah it probably does it probably Benjaminos does. yeah that was that was uh, I, I like think there's it. some promise there I don't know Maybe yeah we, to change it tomorrow you may find out we launched our own line of Benjaminos it's uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but no I mean we we really wanted to create access to food that that we could feel proud of and and there was nothing in the market that really um, struck out stuck out to us as as something that we wanted to eat you know i mean we wanted to provide food um for people that either have dietary restrictions or um or just are interested in eating clean and we felt like there was this this gap that we could fill and and luckily i think the whole the whole shift is happening there's so many other companies now that exist that that, that we love to buy and i think a lot of the impetus to create capellos came from a desire stacy and myself both had to create something tangible. And there being an energetic exchange that could take place from something we were creating and potentially putting on shelf or selling at a farmer's market or it being plated at a restaurant. And that energetic exchange started with us and then was able to, to have an impact with a consumer that we weren't necessarily there to court. And that, that was a that was really what kind of kicked off the conversation of how do we do that? And we talked about all sorts of different ideas, you know, from selling empanadas at the farmer's market to doing just the gluten-free pasta route that we settled on. And, and that was really fun to sit down together and just, I still have the original notes and drawings from, from that 
very memorable night up in up in the mountains about brainstorming what later became Capello's. And that, that was really, it's been a really fun process. So you decide that you're going to do this after you're in the mountains having all these thoughts. What did your friends and family say when you announced you're going to be making a grain-free uh, line? Well, I certainly didn't tell anyone for a long time <laughs> until we had it because <laughs> I didn't want to hear the, you know, I didn't want to hear like, why are you doing that? What's gluten-free? You know, all these things that we would have had to get um, through to, to kind of prove out what we were doing. But once we had a, some products, at least the pasta products, the gnocchi, the fettuccine, the lasagna, and we figured out some ways to sell them, then I started to um, be a little bit more vocal about it. I love your yeah. packaging. Um, can you talk a little bit? It's very unique. Um, it's really beautiful. I love the black and white. How did, how did that come about? When we were actually, when we were sitting on the floor that night up in Vail, we started playing with some ideas about the look and feel of what the brand could be. And we started talking about what do you see in the grocery store? You see a sea of color, a lot of big pictures of what the product is. And it's very much, that's the, that's the vernacular. That's the environment that the consumers used to seeing in the grocery store. And we thought, what could be a little bit disruptive? What could be, a differentiator for two kids sitting on a floor in Vail trying to figure something out to sell. And, and that led us to doing black and white, being very stark. And then as we started to feel like there was actually some opportunity to take Capello's to market, my brother, who happened to work at a, at a big ad agency in Chicago, um, took on the project of giving us a brand and giving us an identity as a brand and hearing some of the some of the things that Stacy and I really wanted to see in the brand, which was stark but sophisticated, minimal but still eye catching. He took a lot of that conversation and then we ended up with what we have now, which is this kind of homage to the Southwest with the very unique patterns that you see on the sides of the boxes, but yet this very clean presentation on the front of the box with minimal, um, you know, photographical elements slash no photographical elements. And then the kind of cherry on top for us is that there's a big black triangle flipped upside down on our packaging. And that was, because we're saying, hey, we're taking the, the food pyramid that we were all raised to believe was gospel truth, and we're flipping that upside down because as we started to really understand what grain-free, high-fat, low-carb, and what that impact had in the world, we were like, this is such a cool subconscious way to kind of say, screw that, we're not going the traditional route. So that's a long-winded kind of explanation there, but that, that was really some of the, the bones of it. Yeah, that's awesome. What what was the first store you got in, and how did you feel when you saw your product on the shelf for the first time? Yeah, I, we love talking about this because uh, the first, very first store we got into was called Lucky's Market, and they're in Boulder, and we just love to give them lots of props because they really took a chance on us. You know, they were willing to work with us before we had a distributor, before we really knew what a distributor was, honestly, <laughs> and... We, they're an awesome grocery store. They started to expand. It's a, it started as family-run business. It still is. And they're branching out um, to lots of states. And, yeah, so that, that was our first retailer. And they're still one of our 
highest performing retailers at this point. How excited Tristan, were we you? We love you. Yeah, yeah Tristan. He All right, was well, a shout out to Tristan. How how blown away were you, and how emotional was it to see it on the shelf for the first time? It was awesome. I mean, it was really a. Uh, it was a, it was kind of that moment of like I can't believe this is really happening. Then I know though on the flip side of that, Stacy was just having nothing but stress dreams about moldy gnocchi in the grocery store, and that someone was going to have a bad experience. <laughs> so you know there was this excitement, but there's also this just like looming fear of like, are people going to like it? Did we do this right? Are we doing the right thing? Should we be doing this? All those questions that I still ask myself, I think, every day. Yeah. I mean, it is stressful. People don't think about it. You start a food company, you got to figure all that out because people are eating the stuff that you're making and sometimes a couple weeks later. So it's funny you bring that up. We don't talk enough about the, the, the stress that comes along with entrepreneurial anxiety. Uh, of launching brands, but you guys did it. You cleared all that. You figured it out, and it, it's great. A last question. If you could offer a piece of advice to fellow entrepreneurs who are maybe a little bit earlier in the process and haven't quite had all those experiences that you guys have had, what would it be? What would you whisper in their ear? Well, I, I was actually, I just met with a couple of guys this morning who are starting a gluten-free cookie company. And, you know, they definitely are at the very beginning of their company, and they have lots of questions. And it's hard not to get too far down the road, but I think more than anything, um, which is something that Ben and I did, you know, we started really, we started small. It was very humble and just getting your hands wet and making mistakes early on is key. It's totally key. You don't want to make those later when they're going to be, um, when, when those mistakes cost a lot more money. Um, and then I'll be goofy here and I'll say a quote. If you think you can or you think you can't, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And I, I love that because, you know, you just have to stick with what you're doing. Awesome advice. You guys have been great. The, the cookies are fantastic. The pasta's great. The pizza's great. Ben and Stacy, thank you. Thank you very much for being on. Thank you all. Appreciate awesome. it. Thanks for having us. Time for a break. When we come back, we are going to have a special guest talk to us, Gordon Hagedorn is joining the Touch Agency, and it's going to be fun to chat with Gordon about the changing retailer landscape out there. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to The Natural Underground. Look, we're so excited. Mm-hmm. How excited are we? I'm really happy. Super excited. Well, I like Ryan, talking. Uh, Ryan, asking Ryan if he's excited is so poor. It's Ryan poor form. It emotes a, the emotions of a rock. A sloth. Yeah, the guy just, is literally I've a sloth. So, I have something in common with Gordon then. Uh, oh, wow. Why would we say that about Gordon? No, Gordon, Gordon's just Gordon's level-headed. Chill You're just boring. Calm. Really? Wow. <laughs> So, we're making that kind of distinction? We though? are, right up front. We are right up front. So what we're excited about is a lot of you guys that happen to be in the natural food industry may know this name. Gordon Hagedorn uh, recently joined the Touch Agency, like as in, <laughs> hasn't yet, Monday? I industry think legend. Industry legend, Gordon Hagedorn. And Gordon, we can already hear you chuckling, but we just want to say, before anybody hears your voice... <laughs> 
How would you describe this, Jocelyn? I think of of Gordon as like the if your plane's about to go down, and that's a horrible, you know, you know. Analogy. I fly tomorrow. So I know, thank and you, that's Al. why I'm doing it. Yeah. To torment you. Jocelyn's a warrior. So. But if you're if your flight's about to go down, uh, Gordon's a guy who's going to be the pilot. And now let me rephrase that. He's not. <laughs> what he's not mean? a bad pilot. He's a great pilot. But Gordon he's is so the one who's going to make it go down. You'd be okay with it because he would be like, uh, yeah, that. Uh, that mountain's coming up pretty hot and heavy. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to pull it off with this you equipment. You might not make it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but your uh, oxygen masks will come down. really won't matter. Yeah. I mean, it'll muffle <laughs> your screaming at the really at the, at the minimum. Gordon, do you have some sort of like high stress past or something, meaning you were like a firefighter in another yeah, life? Yeah, how are you or? so calm? Well, I'm a sloth. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I'm sorry. That was Ryan that was No, wait, wait, wow. We would never do that to you, Gordon. Wow. <laughs> Gordon, officially no. welcome to the Natural Underground and welcome to the Touch Agency. All right. No, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Really looking forward to it. <laughs> We'd like to start off your career here with some insults. Just bring yeah, it down. That's yeah. how the Touch Agency works, yeah, really. Most of us are broken people. Right. And so we're just, you know, wanting you to join in the crowd. And birds of a feather. Birds of a feather. <laughs> Gordon, tell people a little. Loved. I feel the love. Do you? Oh, that's good. Uh, tell <laughs> people a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. There was that time well, in prison. Know, there was that time in prison. That. Exactly, exactly. No, I think by, uh, you know, actually over the years, you know, just kind of fell into the natural products industry and, um, you know, probably about 25 years ago and really had the opportunity to um, work with some great brands, you know, early on while the industry was still evolving and, uh, you know, just learned a lot through my career and, you know, worked a lot of different segments and categories and, you know, really feel like this is this is the channel I belong in, right? Natural, better for you type products. And, um, you know, it's been about 25, 26 years of, of work in the channel. And, um, you know, it feels like it's my home. Oh, it is, man. And you're just a staple at trade shows and some of the big yeah. events. In the Gordon well, also I, has a history of stalking me at the Portland airport. Oh, that's All right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, exactly. No, I was looking really disheveled and it, Gordon texted me and was like, did I just I like, see you at the airport? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. It's not how I wanted this to go. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, exactly. uh, Gordon worked on a couple of big brands. And I think we met you when you were in Amy's Kitchen, which uh, many people know is a huge frozen food line of natural and yeah. organic and uh, vegetarian products and delicious. So has a great understanding of a lot of uh, food categories out there. So how fun. What we wanted to ask you about today is get you in on this conversation about the changing landscape amongst retailers. So for our listeners, they may be starting a brand, thinking about starting a brand, a food company, or they actually may be involved in, if they're more on the podcast side, every day managing a brand. And nothing is more of a challenge and nothing's more important than keeping track of is how, the people that you're going to sell your product to, right? The retailers who then turn around and sell it to consumers, how has that world changed? So what are you seeing out there and how has it changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, no, I think it's, I mean, it's, I guess what hasn't changed in some ways. Yep. I mean, we've seen these retailers, you know, trying to be innovative. I think, you know, right in your backyard there, you know, you've got the new 365 that just opened in Austin. Cedar Park. I yeah. think you're seeing new, yeah, you're seeing these new formats right, that they're trying to figure out how to better serve their customers. And I think about that uh, quite a bit. You know, you've got 
be fresh out in the all hold group, you know, and one that's been around a little while would, would be Mariano's, you know, part of Roundy's, you know, kind of a offshoot of trying to figure out you know, how to better serve that foodie culture. In and then Chicago, yeah, it's a got, great store. Uh, yeah, you've, yeah, then you have Kroger and that main and Vine concept, right, it's one store. And uh, I remember having conversations with uh, the folks at Kroger about it, and, you know, it was really, I mean, they call it their, you know, their foodie concept, and I've uh, you know seen pictures of it, had that haven't had the opportunity to go, but I mean you see some large retailers um, in different type of you know competition with uh, you know kind of that foodie concept. But I think about the landscape, yeah, it's changed. Um, you know, I think years ago you would never thought the natural and kind of the traditional grocery chains would be. Um, you know, you know the things we've seen them go through. You know, it's so interesting. I think this week I spotted on a news feed probably the 57th article that said retail sales are down in a lot of retail sectors. And the, there was crediting the move to e-com, to those kinds of things. What's interesting is the natural and better for you space has remained a growing area because it feels like, and maybe we're all guessing here, but I think a lot of experts would suggest we're evolving to a lot of staple items being delivered via, you know, Amazon or Thrive or whatever the uh, even pick up at the store or deliver from your local retailer. There's so many things that are moving into routine. But then the other side of it is if I am going to market, I want experience. I want that experiential sort of uh, and that's why you see the growth of the perimeter. Produce is bigger. Prepared foods is huge. People grabbing and going. So what I think you're really referencing with the Marianos or with even some of these larger grocery chains playing with these kind of new outlets is that they're trying to capture that experience and that sort of I'm in a market, not a grocery store, so that they can have a reason for being that's different than you know just getting your box of rice delivered to your house via Amazon. Yeah, that, you know, you see these formats, and they are, they're very interesting, and they are an experience to be in. Yeah, absolutely, and it's interesting to watch them. We have people, I'll give you, you know, uh, one example, the fresh market. You go into a fresh market, and a little bit Sprouts was this way, but fresh market's more extreme. You go into fresh market, and, and the center of the store is a large, circular, deli-slash-prepared-foods area. Then you have, a you know, produce and everything else. Their entire aisle or two of, gro- it's literally their dry grocery items. It's like two aisles. That's it. And so they get, they get it in that, yeah, you're going to come here and grab a box of, you know, Barbara's Bakery cereal or some other brand. But then the rest of it, I want to grab flowers. I want to grab prepared foods for that night, maybe some snacks, beverages. It's really interesting to watch how that's evolved. Absolutely, I think that's the, I think that's the piece. You know, you talk about that changing rescape, uh, landscape and the experience. You know, I think one of the things I've learned over the years is, you know, you need to remain flexible and patient <laughs> as you're dealing with all these changes in the landscape. You know, I mean, that's because sometimes you want to just push through as a as a brand. And I think you know, there's now more than ever, there's this time to be, you know, remain flexible and patient. And also, you know, be ready for those opportunities when they arise, because, I mean, the changings are happening very quickly and sometimes without a lot of notice. In terms of changes, um, we know that in the natural food industry, people have probably seen some news outlets reporting that Safeway Albertsons is interested in potentially trying to buy Whole Foods. Do you have any thoughts about that? 
you know, I guess I never thought it would have been even an option in my mind a few years ago. But I think that, um, you know, I see these two almost moving in separate directions in a long way, in a lot of ways, in, re- in terms of like buying decision making. Uh-huh. I mean, you've seen uh, Whole Foods recently move more towards, uh, you know, they were always a decentralized kind of format, you know, regions making decisions to really working hard towards bringing more towards a centralized format. And then you have Albertson Safeway almost moving in the opposite direction where they were heavily centralized and now they're kind of breaking up into the, you know, back into a decentralized mode. Um, I'm like everybody else, you know, I, I think um, there's probably some arguments for it, but I, I, I really can't see it coming to any fruition at this point. And yeah, that's neither, just my opinion. Neither can I. And part of the challenge would be Whole Foods is such a unique animal in terms of what they've created yeah. and the loyalty of the consumer base and the love people have for it. And the, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, I know they're always a candidate because they, they had grown so much and they're, they'd be a, a, a coveted play. And I think the week before the rumor in the industry was that Safeway Albertsons was sort of sniffing around sprouts. So, you know, you don't right. know ever how much weight to put on any one of these things, but it, it sure is interesting to see that dynamic. Any other things you see on the horizon? Any other new and interesting retailers that we should chat about for, for our listeners on the podcast side? Yeah, I think you see a lot of, you know, I think we see a, a big push toward, you know, being, as you said, Al, the experience and being relevant. So I think, you know, some of these other chains that we've seen, you know, develop from the fresh time to the Lucky's market, you know, in various different formats that re, um, traditional retailers are trying. I think, you know, I think those are going to be, you know, with the consumer need for and demand for, you know, transparency, local, authentic foods, you know, I think you're going to see uh, a push for a lot more uh, regional relevance. You know, kind of how Whole Foods was, it seems like, you know, from my experience shopping at a Whole Foods, you know, I could always feel like my region was relevant to me and my surroundings. And, you know, some, I think that's where a lot of the consumers will come back to clearly as they want all that transparency and authenticity in food. So I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, pressure put on by these regional train uh, chains um, to some of these bigger formatted retailers. So Gordon, we've all seen the projections. How important do you think e-com will be over the next couple of years? Well, I think it's going to be, you know, hugely important. I think the challenge would be, you know, where your brand competes. If it's a traditional, you know, dry grocery, refrigerated or frozen type of product, because I think some of those, you know, dry grocery probably pretty well developed, relatively easier to ship or refrigerated and frozen. I think um, there's some challenges to getting that delivered. But I think it's going to be big. I mean, if you just think about uh, legacy retailers, I mean, and they had the opportunity, and now they're trying to play catch-up, you know, with uh, with the move towards, you know, e-commerce. I think, you know, when you think about, you know, those large legacy retailers, you know, they're really incentivized, you know, the CEOs and leadership to focus on, you know, delivering dividends, not so much sometimes on innovation. So I think, you know, e-commerce, uh, we've heard them all out there, you know, especially Amazon with their growth. I think, you know, it's going to be hugely important um, for some brands um, to develop the right strategy to serve that segment. Yeah, this has been, this has really been helpful. I love this information. I'm sure our listeners are digging it. We're going to try and have you on pretty regularly just to chat about kind of the changing retail landscape because you, all these people are building brands, managing brands, 
But just to your point about the regionalization, where do I go sell this thing first? And what's really scary, and you kind of touched on a little bit there, the more that brands, more that these retailers consolidate and the more they make corporate decisions for an entire chain of thousands of stores, it gives the little guy, the guy starting a cookie company, uh, a, a little bit more of a challenge because there's nowhere to begin, you know, other than some independent stores. And then it's such a leap from there to a, a 2000 store chain where you used to be able to go into regions or divisions or smaller retails before they all got gobbled up or, or turned into a corporate buying decision. So it'd be very impactful to our listeners and very interesting. Gordon, thank you so much well, for being on and we want to, and welcome to the touch agency. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's our show. Thank you for listening to this week's Natural Underground. If you have any questions, comments, compliments, please email us at info at the touch agency. If you have compliments just to Jessalyn. If you want to just give me a confidence boost specifically, you can find me. <laughs> but truly, if you want to reach out to us, please do so. And if you would like to follow us on Facebook, we are at The Natural Underground. And please subscribe to us on iTunes. We would love uh, for you to tune into our podcast every week. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. This is The Natural Underground. Peaceful.